everybody. We are glad you're here with us at St. Matthew's tonight for our, uh, our kind of our first um, uh, uh, service in Holy Week. As we mentioned, there's a lot going on in the life of our church during this week. Of course, we would invite you after tonight's uh, time together to, to walk the stations of the cross behind us in, in the hallway. Um, I know you'll be blessed by that. And of course, tomorrow night is Monday, Thursday. We remember um, the institution of the Lord's Supper and also remember our Lord's betrayal. Uh, Friday, of course, is Good Friday at 6 o'clock here at the sanctuary. And then, of course, a day of service on Saturday and Easter. Uh, we hope that, uh, and I, I really do hope and pray that if you can't be here for all of it, you can be here for some of it. Because when we go through the way of the cross, the miracle of Easter is even more amazing. When we consider uh, what our Lord went through, it's even more amazing. I remember uh, this time last year, if y'all remember, Sam spoke. And I always, I always remember something I asked Sam on one of our trips in the Holy Land. Many of you have seen The Passion. And I remember asking Sam, I said, Sam, um, I said, uh, the, the movie The Passion, that was so bloody. And that was, that was played up for Hollywood, right? Yeah, I was just Hollywood trying to, trying to make it some money and gory. He said, Sam said, and if anything, the actual crucifixion was worse. It's always stuck with me. And so I, I hope this week we will uh, ponder uh, what it is our Lord did for our sake. Tonight, you're going to be blessed. Uh, I'm biased because I love the two people that are going to be speaking tonight. Uh, but you're going to be blessed uh, amazingly. Our fir- at first, we're going to have a young lady that I've, I've known for a long time, uh, Nicolette Bell. Uh, she um, uh, going she, Nicolette's a member of our church. They, uh, she and her husband, Preston, are, are active in our intersection, active working with our youth. And, um, and, and Nicolette does, does uh, spoken word monologues that will just knock your socks off. Um, so she's going to come and do a spoken word about, um, about grace in tonight. And then, uh, my friend Lonnie Schrader is going to come after that. Lonnie is the, um, is the head football coach at Sacred Heart, uh, school in Hattiesburg, uh, where my Bobcats whooped them several times for a couple of years. And then Sacred Heart's kind of turned the tables the last few years on us. Um, but Lonnie is, I mean, I'll, I'll introduce him to you with him here as I've introduced him to everybody. Lonnie's the most Christian man that I know. He really is. And so I'm excited uh, beyond words that Lonnie will be here and that Nicolette will be here. So um, it's going to be a great night. Thank you for being here. And I hope that throughout this Holy Week you'll be present with us. But you'll invite folks to worship with us because there's folks that need to know about the amazing grace of our God during this season. Uh, So before Nicolette comes up, I'm going to open this in prayer. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for Holy Week. We thank you, God, for the cross. We thank you, God, for grace. Be present with us tonight in this time. Be present, O God during all of our lives. We love you so very much. We ask it in Jesus' sweet and holy name. Amen. Forgiveness. Redemption. Mercy. Set free. Forgive. When forgiven. When it's simple. When the situation is stress-free, but what about when it's not that easy? When hurt wells up and bitterness sprouts and lack of understanding causes great doubt, forgiveness. It's impossible. It's unimaginable. It's intolerable. It's unattainable, it's senseless, it's restless, 
It's relentless like a pulsing river flooding your thoughts and making your soul quiver. It won't give up. It won't back down. It's like a fire that surrounds. It's fueling bitterness and hatred. It's everything against your nature. So forgiveness. What does it look like? When the words don't make sense and emotion doesn't feel right, well, forgiveness is a choice. It's not a feeling. It's not passive and it's not fleeting. Forgiveness is death to pride. It's death to satisfaction. It's starving of justification. It's renouncing the joy of seeing wrongs made right for forgiveness. It's not easy. It's a sacrifice, a sacrifice so great that it took someone to die in our place. Forgiveness, the garden, the trail, the blood, the nails, the wails of the women watching a statement that would never be forgotten. It is finished, escaped from his mouth, audible agony in our Savior's final shout. Forgiveness. Was it true? Was this our fearless leader's debut? Death's darkness like a blanket over the earth. His followers began to doubt his worth. As it seemed that death had won. The promises of this Jesus slowly coming undone. But forgiveness. It made a way It tore the curtain and on that third day, he rose up out of the grave. Our savior, victorious, there had never been anything so glorious. Death had met its defeat for forgiveness was complete. And out of that completion, we gain a new vision. Yes, to forgive You may have to die, die to yourself and die to your pride. But as we look at the mission of Jesus, forgiveness doesn't stop at death. It ends in life, life everlasting, life eternal, life in the present and life forever. Forgiveness, even if we sinned, His grace abounds. There is no shortage. It won't run out. And out of this abundance, we are called out, called to pass on this forgiveness that we don't deserve. To the person who hurt us, continue to serve. For out of his forgiveness, we can forgive others. It's freedom so liberating. It's hard to find the words. Forgiveness, it's possible, it's imaginable, it's attainable, it's yours, it's mine, 
It's your families. It's your enemies. It's your neighbors. It's your coworkers. It's a sinner's. And it's a stranger's. Forgiveness. It's a person. And his name is Jesus. Amen. Ay, ay, ay. So y'all got Andy and Holly and Nicolette. How fair is that? What a uh, blessing to watch uh, Nicolette grow up. I've known her since she was a little girl. And uh, just to see... What a beautiful, godly woman that she's become. It's just a blessing. Uh, I was trying to think of a bunch of funny things to say about Andy. But, uh, and I, could, I got a bunch, but uh, uh, I know that you know uh, that you are very blessed to be in ministry uh, with Andy and Holly Stoddard. They are truly a gift. Um, can we pray? Glory to you, God. Glory. Father, I give you all the honor and glory and praise. Push me out of the way. Speak through me. Say what you want to say. God, I give you all the honor and glory. Amen. Maybe I'll just go home now. I, I, I don't know if I can make it. Um, what do you have on you uh, that's valuable? I'm not going to take it. I mean, you got anything on you that's valuable? I, can, I got my... I got my um, my wedding ring and my uh, Oak Grove State Championship ring, you know. <laughs> and they're, they're, they're kind of valuable. This isn't real gold. It's diamond so but it's valuable to me. And my, of course, my ring is priceless. Um, but I, I, I have a treasure, and it, it's more valuable than gold, and it'll never fade away. And I want to share it with you. Um, but first, I, I'd like to tell you a little bit about myself. I... Uh, my dad was in the Air Force, and uh, he's a fighter pilot, and we have lived all over this half of the world. I've lived as far south as Panama in Central America. Uh, uh, I, lived, I, I graduated from high school in Anchorage, and I've lived in a whole lot of places in between. I have two beautiful, wonderful parents uh, that love the Lord. Uh, my grandparents, all my grandparents love the Lord. I have been so blessed to, to grow up in a family that uh, is just a, a, the rock and the foundation of my faith. 
There's never been a, a time in my life when I didn't know about the love of God. And I'm very blessed. Um, I, uh, I, liked, I liked sports. Uh, I, liked, I loved football. Um, when I was a little kid, I started walking, and every time I'd take a couple steps, I'd fall and knock my head on something, and mom would have to take me to get stitches. And after three or four trips to the hospital, the doctor said, just put a football helmet on him. And she did, and that was it. I fell in love with football. I've been in love with it ever since. Um, I played football and basketball. I loved to fish and, you know, be outside and do things. And I, I, had, um, I had plans for my life. My, uh, my plan was that I was going to uh, be in the Army. I was going to be a, a, an officer in, uh, in the Army. Uh, I had a full ride. My education was paid for. I had a scholarship, ROTC, and I was... You know, I was going to be an airborne ranger, who are and all that. And I was going to, you know, I was going to do it. That was my plan. Uh, I also had dreams. And, you know, dreams are a little bit different than plans. Dreams are a little bit further out. You know, something that you might not attain. But, you know, that's what you, that's what you hope for. And, you know, I, I uh, you know, probably like a lot of ex-football players, I, you know, I hope that I had a little football left in me. I was going to try to walk on and play more football. And, and so I came to, to Hattiesburg, Mississippi in 1981, August of 1981, with my hopes and my dreams. Um, I'd, been, I'd been in Hattiesburg for about a year, uh, a, year a week, and uh, I, met a, I met a lot of people. I made a lot of friends, and uh, one of the people that I met was a girl named Charlotte Pizzerich, and she was beautiful. She was funny. She was uh, full of life and sassy and... Uh, just a, a person that was fun to be around. And um, we went to a birthday party for a friend. And um, uh, y'all, if you're familiar with Hattiesburg, it's on 4th Street. And 4th Street, that runs right in front of Pete Taylor Park where we play, where Southern plays baseball. And there's four apartment complexes next to Pete Taylor Park. Um, and the last one was uh, La Maison is where we were at. And, and at the time, 4th Street was just a little two-lane road. Now it's five lanes, but back then it was two lane, a lot of trees, not very, uh, not very well lit at all. Um, so it was getting late. Class was the next day, so I decided I was going to walk. Charlotte and I decided it's time to go home, and I was going to walk Charlotte home. I remember leaving the apartment, walking down the stairs, walking by the pool, and the next thing I know, I'm laying down on the ground. I can't catch my breath. I can't find my right arm. Uh, and my left arm's laying in front of me, and um, I try to raise, there's a bump in my arm, I try to raise my arm, my elbow goes up, and my, my, the rest of my arm stays on the ground, and I'm thinking, I must have been in a car wreck, but I don't even remember getting in a car. Um, what, what happened was we, we were hit by a, a drunk driver. I don't know where we were on the road, if we were in the middle of the road, the side of the road, I don't know. Um, but my friends uh, at the in the apartment heard the, the, the impact and came running. They found they found me. Like I said, I was face down on the ground and I was up underneath the parked car. And when they found me, they thought there was another person um, wedged up underneath there with me because there were two feet on my back. And um, what it, what it was was uh, the car that hit us. They estimate that he was going between 50 and 70 miles an hour, shattered the bones in my leg. They were attached to me, but my bones were shattered. So uh, they, you know, they 
ambulances, lights, and all I can see is people's legs. And I'm, 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 I'm asking everybody that comes near, I'm saying, I, I was with a girl. Her name was Charlotte Pizzarich. Where is she? Nobody knows. Where is Charlotte? Nothing. They pulled me out from underneath the, uh, the car, put me in the ambulance. Um, they take me to the hospital. I, you know, I, my, arm was, my arm was broken in eight places. My, my shoulder was dislocated. It was on the, laying over here somewhere. I had six broken ribs and, uh, you know, collapsed along, and, and, um, and my legs were shattered. A friend of mine uh, named Barry Bowler, who I coached with at Pedal for, for years, was a phlebotomist take, that take, takes blood at Forrest Jenner. He's working his way through college, and, and he said, uh, Schrader, you were, a, you were a twisted up wad of flesh. We couldn't tell if you were coming or going. Um, he had to take, they couldn't find a place to take blood. He had to take it from my forehead. So um, I remember the doctor getting up on the table and sticking his foot in my arm and telling me to re- relax the right hand side of my body, pop my arm back into place. And about 2 o'clock in the morning, my mom and dad get the call that all parents dread. And, uh, you don't realize this until you have kids of your own. So I didn't realize it till later. But um, it's that sick feeling, you know, that you get in your stomach when you get a call late at night and your kids aren't home. Colonel Schrader, your son's been in an accident. We don't think he's going to make it. You need to come home. So um, my mom and dad were uh, stationed in Lawton, Oklahoma. In Fort Sill at the time, they got in a truck and kept coming and come on. So um, I'm going in and out of surgery. Um, every time someone comes in my room, I'm, I'm saying I was with a girl. There was a girl with me. Her name was Charlotte Pizzerich. Where is it? What happened to her? Nothing. In and out of surgery, um, I wake up. I'm laying on my back. My feet are up in the air in a stainless steel cage with pins sticking in it, holding my bone in place. So they can work on the, the, the tissue and the, and the muscle and the nerves. And I'm looking at this thinking, man, this isn't good. Back in the surgery, um, I wake up and, and uh, I see my dad walking in the door. And uh, I said, Dad, I was with a girl. Her name was Charlotte Pizzerich. What happened to her? And he just shook her head and said, son, Charlotte's dead. Um, gone in a blink of the eye. The uh, the, the guy that hit us, um, her body hit the, the the roof of the Camaro that he was driving, and and knocked the roof backwards two feet, knocked all the glass out, and he drove to the end of Fourth Street and came back and found her at the entrance to uh, to the bas what is it? The basketball court and at the road that's the entrance, which is a long ways from where from where I was. Um, she was gone, and I I started to hate this guy. Four days after the accident, um, I got gangrene in my left leg, and uh, they had to uh, amputate my left leg three inches below the knee. Thank God they were able to save my knee. Um, thought they were going to be able to save my right leg. And um, 
seven days after I lost my left leg, um, everything just broke down. And they had to amputate my right leg seven inches below the, um, the knee. So they, um, I finally get out of intensive care. They wheel me into my room. And um, laying on the bed was my dis honorable discharge from the Army. So here I am. My plans are out the window. My dreams are out the window. My legs are gone. And more importantly, Charlotte's dead. And I started hating this guy. I felt like I deserved it. I felt right. I mean, I felt like, yeah. It felt good to hate him. It felt good. And uh, there was two ba battles going on inside me. The first is a physical battle. My body is working like a fiend to try to heal. It was working overtime trying to heal. But the other battle was a spiritual battle because I'd grown up all my life hearing about how when they're nailing Christ to the cross that he's pleading with God to forgive him. And I knew I had to forgive him, but I, I, I didn't want to. I couldn't. And it was killing me. Little uh, Irish priest would come in my room every day and we'd talk. And one day he walked in the room and uh, I, I looked at him and I said, Father Pat, you know Fred, don't you? And he said, yes, I do. Fred's the guy to hit us. And I said, uh, tell Fred I forgive him. Let me just stop right there and, uh, and tell you I, I didn't forgive Fred. I truly believe the Holy Spirit was ministering to me the second that I was hit. And was preparing me for that. And I believe when I opened my mouth, he spoke through me. That's the only way I can explain it. And Father Pat and I prayed, and I, I literally handed it to God. And I said, God, it is yours. I'm giving it to you. I don't know what to do. I don't know what, where to go. I'm just going to trust you. I'm just going to trust you. And the Bible says, uh, talks about a peace that passes all understanding. And that's what I've had for 35 years. Um, I spent a month in Forest General. I spent a month at Fort Sill Army Hospital in Lawton, Oklahoma. That's a story in itself. Six months after my accident, uh, I got my first pair of legs. I wore them out in two months. I got another pair. And by the grace of God, I was back at Southern one year after my accident. I graduated on, on a Friday in 1987 and got married the next day. I walked onto the practice field at Pedal, and the head coach was out cutting grass on a snapper. Never forget it. I walked up to him and said, my name is Lonnie Schrader. I need a job, and I will do whatever you want me to do. And by the time I walked off that field, I had a job. I was in pedal for 18 years. 
I was defensive coordinator for nine years, and I was a head coach for four years. I spent seven awesome years at Oak Grove. I was the offense and defensive line coach. Um, and now I'm, um, I've been five years at Sacred Heart as a head coach. Um, so here I am, 35 years later. I'm a, I'm a husband. I'm a father. I'm a grandfather. I'm a teacher. And I'm a coach. God has blessed me in so many ways. I can't even begin to tell you. And I haven't done anything to deserve it. All I did was I put my trust in my Heavenly Father. And He showed me how good and how faithful He can be. God has blessed me with a wonderful wife who loves me and supports me and takes care of me and puts up with me. And I have an incredible family that is the absolute joy of my life. God has allowed me to do what I love to do. To be part of young men's lives. And hopefully somewhere along the way, I'll be a positive influence. It's truly, truly an honor to be able to do that. I can't tell you how many people have come up to me and said, I, I don't know how you do what you do. And I, because by the world standards, I'm damaged goods. And I tell them, I don't really do anything on my own. Um, everything I do, God gives me the strength to do it. In the morning, when I sit on the edge of my bed and I put my legs on, I tell God, God, I, I can't do this on my own. I can't, I can't do this on my own. I need your strength and I need your power. I want to share with you a couple verses uh, that, that are important to me. Uh, it's in 2 Corinthians 4. It says, uh, so we, we carry this treasure in jars of clay so that this all-surpassing power may be from God and not from us. We are pressed in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. Struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may be revealed in our body. You remember that treasure that I was talking about at the beginning? It's the, it's the strength and the power and the peace that you can only get from a relationship with Jesus Christ. And it's something that the world just, just can't give you. I don't know many things. I'm just a boy from Bogachita. No, that's handy. But I know two things for sure. One, and as certain as I'm standing here, and Annie Stoddard is your preacher. I know that you have heard this before on multiple occasions. God loves you. God loves you. He loves you. He loves you more than you can comprehend. 
He loves us in spite of the stupid things that we do. He loves my children more than I love them. And I, I can't get my head around that. And some people think that they've done too much or they've gone too far to, uh, to qualify for God's love. But it, God's love is a crazy love that only he can give. And how do I know this? Because he died for us. He left the glories of heaven to walk this earth and to be nailed on the cross so that he could have a personal, intimate relationship with us. And because he loves us, he doesn't cause bad things to happen to us. It's a crazy world, y'all. And it's getting crazier every day. And because he loves us, when these bad things happen, he gives us the strength and the power to make it through. That's why I like the end of, of chapter 4 in Corinthians. It says, so we don't give up. Even though our outer bodies are being destroyed, our inner bodies are being renewed every day. For we consider this light momentary affliction to be producing for us an absolute, incomparable, eternal weight of glory. So we don't focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary. What is unseen is eternal. I always ask this. Anybody know any bilateral amputee football coaches? Raise your hand if you do. I've been doing this for 30 years, y'all. Only God could do this. I'm not bragging on myself because on the outside, I look like damaged goods. But on the inside, God is renewing me every day. This life is a vapor. It's a blink of the eye. One day, when my life is over, I'm going to shed this worn out body for a brand new one. These legs, they're temporary. That's the hope that I have. Now, there's nothing that I can show you or give you to prove that my hope is real, except when you look at my life and see how God has has saved me and restored me and continues to renew me every day. You might think, how does this apply to me? Later on in Corinthians, it talks about, Paul talks about a, a, a thorn being given to him in his flesh. And he pleads with God three times to take it away. But God says, no, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is perfected in weakness. So Paul says, therefore, I'll, I'll, I'm glad to, to boast about my, for, about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may reside in me. So because of Christ, I, I delight in hardships and persecutions and catastrophes. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know, we all have thorns in our side. We have thorns in our flesh. We all have them. Mine, one of mine is uh, more visible than others. But we all have them. It might be... It might be um, broken relationships it might be financial it might be you might be having problems with your kids or your spouse or 
It could be financial. You know, fill in the blank. We all have them. Paul says that God can take those, weak, those weaknesses and use them to show the world his power and his strength and his glory. You know, um, there's no promises that this life is going to be easy. There's, not, it's, there's nothing in the Bible that says anything about unicorns and rainbows. If you've lived long enough, you know that life is a series of mountaintops and valleys. And it's great when you're on the mountaintop. Life is good. But when you're in the valley and all you can do is trust in God, you will find that he is all that you need. And that his grace and his strength and his power are more than sufficient. My prayer for you, my challenge to you is to allow God to work through you in all situations so that this world that is in such desperate need of a Savior can see His power and His glory through you. And in doing that, you will find how good and how faithful our Heavenly Father is. Thank you for having me. I hope you were able to hear from line tonight uh, that <clears throat> life is not easy. I'm not, you know, y'all know I love Tim Keller. Tim Keller says religion says that if you do right, good things happen. That's not what Christianity says. Christianity says stuff happens, bad things, for no good reason. A uh, freshman in college with a promising future loses both legs and a friend and blink the eye. A perfect Savior is mocked and spit upon. God's not about making you better. God's about drawing you to himself. Y'all, if there's some unforgiveness in your life, and did you hear what Lonnie said? It felt good to hate the guy. It felt good. He was right. He should have hated him. He killed his friend and ruined Lonnie's life. Lonnie had every right to hate that guy. There's no reason to forgive him. Except hate destroys you. Hate, unforgiveness, is you drinking a poison and expecting it to kill them. The person right now that you can't stand, the person you haven't forgiven, guess what? They're going to sleep fine tonight. You're the one that will toss and turn. That's why our Savior came. So that we could be forgiven. Because forgiven people forgive others. Preacher, they don't deserve it. They don't deserve to be forgiven by me. Yeah, I know. They don't. Just like we don't deserve to be forgiven by Christ. And what have we done to earn God's forgiveness? Nothing. That's why it's a gift.
my deepest prayer for you is that if you're holding on, that's why I want you to hear Lonnie. You know, when I think about heaven, one day my friend Lonnie's going to have legs. And he's gonna be, I, we, I'm not going to be able to catch him in heaven. No, I'm slow to begin with. So I got no shot of catching him. Maybe one lineman chasing another. I know, exactly. <laughs> Give you a head start and you still outrun me. I mean, I'm a lineman. So, you know, it's, you know, one lineman chasing another. One day he's going to have legs. And one day all that this world has corrupted will be made right. And what a day that's going to be. But that starts now. Eternity starts now when we forgive others. Eternity starts now when we realize that we are forgiven. So during this Holy Week, I pray that, I pray you understand how much you need to be forgiven of. (laughs) Because when you understand the depth of our need, then you understand the depth of God's grace. God doesn't forgive us in theory. He forgives us in reality. You are forgiven of everything, of everything, of everything. You're forgiven. And there's a world out there that needs to know it. That's why I push you to invite, because folks need to know they're loved. <laughs> folks are playing the religion game where if I'm a good person, God will bless me and life be perfect. And they try really hard to be good. C.S. Lewis says, no man knows how very evil he is till he has tried very hard to be good. I had a lady in the Delta had a sign on a yard, a sign on a house that said, the harder I try, the worser I get. And that's how I feel sometimes. Jesus says, stop trying, just accept it. And then like Lonnie says, the Holy Spirit speaks through us. Faith is not about bowing up in willpower. Faith is about surrender. It's about surrender. So I pray during this Holy Week in Easter, we understand the depth of God's love and the depth of God's love for us and for everybody. So go out and live like the forgiven saint that you are and forgive them too because they need it and we need it. So I hope during this Holy Week you'll take advantage of all the opportunities to experience God's grace. And I hope that you'll be here tomorrow and Friday and then especially here Sunday to hear the power of resurrection. So I invite somebody to come with you to see the glory of God and to what God's going to do. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you for Lonnie and for Nicolette and for their witness to us tonight. Loving God, may we live as forgiven saints by the power of your grace. Go with us now. Draw us closer to yourself. We love you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for coming.